Welcome, everybody, to the Chinchilla Pickin' Podcast. It is March the 3rd, 2022. As always, we hope to be entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. My name is David Underwood, and I am here with Brandon Beaver. Brandon, how are you, man? I'm good. How about you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I am so far sticking with my workouts. Uh, I had a couple of days this, this week where I didn't quite hit my diet where I wanted to, but you know, it's, it's a long process. It's not a, I didn't get here overnight. I'm not going to change it overnight. You know what I mean? Yep. So sticking with it, that's what's going on in my life, man. That, and, uh, you know, messing around with new stuff. Uh, something I'll talk about when we get a moment, uh, in, in the podcast is messing around with crypto.com. Like I said, uh, two weeks ago, I decided to open up the account and I've been just kind of really having fun with it. Um, I'll talk more about that later on, but uh, uh, not much else, man. Planning to get out of town here soon, head down south like everybody else, you know, enjoy the warmer weather and the oceans and the beach. I can't wait for camping season. Sorry, I'm, I'm adjusting some of my notes here, but. Uh... Yes, if you guys can't see this at home, Brandon is not paying attention whatsoever right now as I talk. So... I'm, very, I'm very tired. <laughs> But we'll get through this, okay? I'm very tired, but we'll get through this, and we will be entertaining as well as educational and uplifting, okay? Right. We are not going to go on strike like Major League Baseball. We are gonna we are gonna power through, okay? Yeah. We're gonna power through. Yeah. All right. But rules, rules, rules. Everybody. Dave, go ahead. Sorry. I can't wait for camping, and I can't wait for mushroom season. Oh, I, I forgot you do camping, mushroom, and antiquing. He sounds like he's 80 years old, but no, Brandon is actually in his mid-30s. Yard sales is where you get the best deals. Yeah, I, I would actually agree with you on that. I kind of I kind of like that stuff too, man. I don't know about picking hands. mushrooms in a while, but I'll give it a shot. I'll, I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll see what it's about. Yeah, I can't see him. My girlfriend can see him, but I still enjoy doing it. There you go, man. So that's all that matters you guys are spending time together doing something you guys love yeah boom done yeah, exactly like that's life right right all right guys rules 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 are brandon and i get together about five to ten minutes before the show and we tell each other what we're going to talk about we saved a live discussion here for the show so you can hear us go back and forth most of the time we'd agree but sometimes we disagree brandon's leading off the show tonight brandon take us away man all right, so I sold Lockheed Martin two days ago. I got about 33% gain out of it, and uh, I bought it back in December, talked about it on this show. Uh, the reason why I bought it is that, first of all, they planned um, to execute the rest of their $4 billion buyback that they had this year, and defense revenues were supposed to increase in 2022, right? But this Ukraine situation uh and i talked about this as a hedge against geopolitical issues as well this the ukraine catastrophe and let's not get ahead of ourselves here because this is absolutely like it, what, what putin is doing is terrible it's I, I hate it um thoughts and prayers to the people that are living through this in ukraine uh, but all that defense spending that was supposed to happen in 2022 the expectations for that got pulled way forward and baked into the stock. This is a stock that revenue generally moves about 5% on a good year, right? It's, it's 
it's slow. It's slow growing. So price earnings ratio for me of about 20 or anything higher than that was, was relatively expensive. Um, even given the situation that we see in Ukraine right now, everything that I expected to happen in 2022 just happened in the past three months. So I sold it. Go ahead, Dave. So, I mean, uh, you're saying it was surprising and, uh, and the, you know, the multiple there and how high it is, but, uh, you know, when they keep announcing these, these, these tens of billions of dollars, they're going to give in military aid to Ukraine. They are going to spend it on Lockheed Martin weapons. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's, that's a lot of money, man. So that yeah. that's kind of where you're seeing the jump at is we keep uh, Biden uh, the administration current administration, sorry, uh, keeps, uh, buying more weapons and you know i you know support ukraine as well and i'm thoughts and prayers for them but you know we're spending the money on that and lockheed martin's going to get a big chunk of that so i think that's where you're seeing a lot of the upswing yeah and then there was a large government contract that was awarded to lockheed martin um and northrop gunroom too which is one why you see those two stocks going higher and when was that awarded i think it was a week ago if i remember right what was that for do you know right now i think it was for military satellites okay Okay, so I sold it, and I was looking for other opportunities in the market. Well, I, was, I was looking in, um, for other opportunities in the market, and one of my old stocks that I just have such bad feelings for came back up as a possible value play, and it was Boeing. <laughs> if you look at the defense sector, it's just going crazy right now. It's just taken off over this over the geopolitical concerns and Boeing is, is lagging. It's, it's not doing very well. And there's good reasons for that. Management has just been terrible for the past few years. And they got a new CEO, but then after that, that's when we started finding out that the 787s were being invested by, uh, investigated by the FAA. Investors didn't find this out from Boeing. It, this was not told to us. It was not pre-warned to us. We found out through a trade magazine. And in the coming, the days after that, it's what happened. If you remember, I bought Boeing a couple of years ago in like the 170s or something. Then the whole reopening craze happened. This thing went nuts. It traded up above 230. And it was a rip my face off rally. I missed selling it there, but then I did sell it down in like the 220s. And then it came back down below 200 and I thought, hey, let's buy this again because the reopening was priced in and now it's been priced out and I'll buy it again. And then the 787 thing happened. OK, and then I wound up having to be more of an expert on aircraft parts than I ever wanted to, because all these news stories kept coming out, kept breaking about what the new problem with the 787 was. And, and so I had to really read into this. I'm like, oh, is this really a big deal? Is it really a safety factor? And here's my problem with this, okay? When I buy stocks that I plan to hold for a long time, when I'm buying, I want all my work and research to be done then. So I want my headwinds and I want my tailwinds and I want to know both of them. And I want to be able to be lazy about it, Right. I don't, I didn't want to ever have to be an expert on aircraft parts. I just wanted to know how they made money and, and uh, how they might lose money. And I wanted it to be clear to me, keep it simple, stupid, right? 
So I wanted a simple investment. That's how I want my investments to be. I want them to be simple and I want to be able to trust management. So I didn't buy Boeing, right? Because if I find myself in that situation where I'm having to research and research and research and say all these news reports that are coming out, are they really a problem? That's a problem for me. It's taking way too much of my time. So I want to look at a stock, figure out its headwinds and its tailwinds, and then decide if I want to buy. And then this makes it easy. And then I can just check up on it every quarter, you know? I mean, that's, I mean, it's a long-term investment. So that's the goal is it's a long-term investment. You put your money in, you believe that over the years that this is going to rise up and that's what everyone, everyone would want, you know, for a long-term investment. Right. So that's why I didn't buy Boeing. Okay. Microsoft was also on my radar and I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was last week or whatever. And I know I looked at the date that I mentioned it's up 11, 11% since then. So I still think this is good. I think you should, this deserves a spot in your portfolio for sure. But it's trading at a price to earnings ratio of 30, which is still relatively high for me in this environment. But at the same time, is it going to grow into that valuation? Yeah, it will. And are we going to get through the crises that we're in right now? Yeah, we will. So even if you're buying it too high right now, I, I mean, I wouldn't say it's too high because I would say in a year or two, you'd be fine. And, and probably even, uh, you know, probably even shorter than that. Regardless, another stock that popped up, and this is a stock that I recommended buying when it was near $700 a share, like three or four months ago. And in retrospect, maybe I was a little bit too excited about re- restoration hardware. That's RH, right? I was a little bit too excited about it because now it traded back down close to 395, which is where I just bought it two days ago. So if this is a stock in a company that I love near 700, you better be for certain that I love this stock below 400. And that's where I just, you know, that's where I bought it. I think it's a little bit above 400 right now. So I want to go into a little bit of my research on restoration hardware. I'll talk about the highlights of the last quarter. I'll talk about why I bought it, the uh, tailwinds for it, but I'll also give you a little bit of the risks here too, because there are some risks in it. That's the reason why it traded down, but I think it overshot to the downside, okay? Quarter three gap net revenues increased 19% to uh, 1.006 billion versus 844 million last year. Uh, Quarter three gross margin increased, increase on gross margin. We like that in this environment. 180 basis points. This this is now 50.2% gross margin versus 48.4% last year. Operating margin increased 1,390 basis points to 27.1% versus 13.2% last year. That's great. Uh, Gap net income increased 297% uh, to 184 million versus 46 million last year and diluted Earnings per share increased 259% to 5.88 versus 1.64 last year. This stock is trading at a price to earnings ratio of about 18 right now. It was trading, I think, in the 60s. So when it was around that 700 mark. And they announced a few things too. They talked about the opening their first restoration hardware or RH, whatever we're going to call it, guest house in New York. They said this is a revolutionary new hospitality concept for travelers seeking privacy and luxury. 
in the $200 billion North American hotel market. And they also announced the unveiling of the world of RH, which will be a new digital portal presenting our integrated ecosystems of products, places, services, and spaces, all designed to elevate the RH brand and communicate our authority as a thought leader, taste, and place maker. So this is another thing where we're going more digital. I've talked about the future of retail and the future of retail is digital, even for companies like RH who don't do a large percentage of their sales online. Uh, They also announced RH Media, which will be a content platform that will celebrate the most innovative and influential leaders who are shaping the world of architecture and design. This is about building more brand awareness in RH. So when you think of RH, you think of luxury, and then you're going to think of these influential and innovative leaders. That's what that's about, right? I think Uh, of retail with the very little e-commerce side is what I think of when I think of RH. So I hate to be the negative Nancy here, but uh, I mean, honestly. You don't need it. I mean, they're lucky. So this is a luxury brand. And luxury brands and even, okay, so people talk about are we heading towards a recession or not? I don't know if we're heading towards a recession. I don't have a crystal ball ball in my hand. And even if we are, it's probably not 2008 over, you know, 2008 is a once in a lifetime thing, hopefully, most likely. Recession could be much more benign than that. But anyways, most luxury brands, whether it be Tiffany's or whether it be RH, they're a lot more insulated from the effects of a recession because they rely on people who are already wealthy as their uh, consumers, right? So it's not going to hurt them as bad, generally speaking. So you're not concerned then is what you're saying about Uh, any any risk there? So here's my thing about recessions and stuff. I mean, you just said, like, you like to know what all the headwinds are before you purchase a, a stock. So what are, my question is, what are the headwinds? So these are headwinds that I can see, right? Yeah. And the biggest one right now, 65% of the products are manufactured overseas, particularly in Southern China. <laughs> so they're ge- geopolitical headwinds with Southern China. If, Relations sour even worse with China, then that's going to be a major headwind for RH, as it will be, by the way, with so many other companies like Apple, for example. Apple's a large percentage of their ecosystem and their sales comes from China. So this isn't particular to RH here. And I do think that they could be nimble enough to maybe move past that if it did happen. But um, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't predict a recession, but I can tell you what stocks are most likely vastly undervalued. And I think this is one of them. Uh, they said here that their plan to open immersive design galleries in every major market will continue to unlock value of their vast assortment. This could generate revenues of five to $6 billion in North America and 20 to $25 billion globally. They see their plan to expand RH ecosystem globally as getting them into a market opportunity that represents seven to ten trillion dollars total. What and they say a one percent share, if they were even to get a one percent share of that uh, market that would represent 70 to 100 billion dollars. 
Yeah, but they're they're in a specialized part of that market. So that market is talking about the whole furniture industry, correct? And if if they're talking about the whole furniture industry, but they're only appealing to the top end sector, then they're not going to get that. You know what I mean? It doesn't here. It does not uh, differentiate between the wealthy and the middle class or anything like that. So that's a that's a good point. But uh, and. and we can go- I, hey, I'm not saying restoration hardware is not a, a good buy. I'm indifferent. I, I, you know me, I don't like calling retailers. For me, I like to stay out of retail. I, I prefer the companies I trade. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just questioning you because I want to make sure that, you know, if, if you're given, if you're calling a stock for, for our listeners, I want them to hear everything all about this. Like, what are the possible headwinds? So what, what could be wrong? I mean, what's, what's going on with this? And then, because I, I know I see the positive. I see the way the company's going and, and what they're growing by what you're you're telling me here. So I mean I see the positive. So why do you not buy retail? All right, Brandon. So why I don't want to buy retail stocks, man, it's just it's the same source sales. It's the uncertainty, it's real estate. There's so much into it that there's so many things that could go wrong. It's the mood of the public, it's the it, it's it's all those things underlining. I like the stocks that I follow. I felt you know because I understand them. I know them. I'm comfortable with them. I like knowing where a company is going to be going, um, based off its fundamentals. Like I always trade Nvidia, right? Nvidia doesn't sell to customers. Nvidia sells to businesses. Yeah. And so I I like companies like that. Um, I prefer companies like that, and that's kind of why I stay away from retail. It's not like I don't follow. I, I watch the earnings calls. I, I listen to the reports, but uh, you know, I, I don't. I don't trade it, not so unless I'm 100 percent sure. Here's why I won't buy most retail stocks right now, and it's because their net margins are so thin. They're not above 7.5 percent. They're not. Oftentimes, they're not anywhere near it. And if your net margins aren't beating inflation, then you're not gaining any purchasing power and you're not getting any new wealth, right? Restoration hardware, their net margin is at 18%, which I consider relatively safe and actually a really good number for retail. And that gross profit margin being in the 50%. I see no problems here. In regards to inflation, it will be a mild headwind to them, but not like it will be to and is to companies like Walmart and Target, even, even though they just reported decent numbers too. They're still, they're not keeping up with inflation on the net margins, but RH is. So, and with the success of RH, man, I, I never mind. I just feel like there's going to be a lot of comp- competitors jumping in there. Well, they've been around for a long time when you, you know. They have been around for a long time. Yes. Yes. So I, I don't know. That's just my P. I don't like retail just because of all, there's just too many, too many moving parts for me, man. Gotcha. I'm a simple guy. I'm not that smart. You know, I, I do what I do. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I get on here and I just, I just talk about oil every single week. Yeah, that's all. I, that's all I do. I was happy to buy this stock. I, I think the headwinds are relatively predictable. I don't have a, like I said, I don't have a glass, you know, I don't have a a crystal ball in front of me. I can't predict what the macro is going to bring completely. And I can't tell you what Russia is going to do. I can't tell you if uh, Ukraine is going to be conquered in a week or a month, or if it's not going to be conquered at all. Can't tell you if there's going to be a nuclear war, but I can tell you what the stocks that I think are undervalued are. And that's where I'm going to put my money. So, you know, and that's, what's funny. And that's, what's different about you and I and our trading or investing strategies is like, you know, 
I there was a point in time where you know uh, Brandon and I once worked at the same company together, and I I left and retired, and I didn't work a job for a while. Um, but I made my living off of trading off the macro, <laughs> which is you know what you you don't, you don't like you know it's one of your headwinds. But me, that's what I love. That's what I I can call. I can call the emotions of the market generally, and but only in regards to the companies I know. Yeah. And I, I stick with what I know and I stick with the companies I know. Well, it's, it's just funny that we have two different trading strategies. I made this decision to buy it. And then like after that, I was looking more into it after I bought it. And then, you know, I called you and told you that the Oracle of Omaha made the same decision back in December when it was a little bit higher than what I bought it for. So I got a better price than Warren Buffett. Yeah, and that's good company to be in. I, I would I would say that was pro- probably a good move on your part, man. You probably will do very well to restoration hardware. So um I I I don't blame you. Yeah. What else you got, man? So I just like to monitor my investments like when I have these long-term investments every quarter. I like to, you know, the report card comes in for the company. I read the uh earnings report. I I read the financial statements they put out. I listen to the quarterly calls and that's what I like to do. I don't want to have to go back into buying Boeing and then worrying about if a new aircraft is going to have problems and how we're going to find out about it. And uh, it was just such a headache, such a headache. I I mean, here's the thing with, with uh, Boeing Airbus and some of these other uh, uh, planes, you know, with Russia and Ukraine fighting each other in the air, because guys, Russia does not control the skies over Ukraine. There is an actual air battle being fought all the time. Uh, we, I heard like a few days ago of a Ukrainian pilot that shot down six Russia jets by himself before he finally got shot down. So my my, my point with saying all this is after, after all this is done, they're going to have to be buying more planes again. <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, so there's going to be a company out there that's going to be providing these planes and that'd be a good company to invest with. And is Boeing a good value right now? Maybe, maybe, but I, I tend to want to trust the management, right? Salesforce got on my bad list too last year. This was Ooh, Salesforce is a good company, man. What, uh, what are we talking about here? So I don't even remember who they bought last year they, they made a big expenditure last year when i owned the stock and i don't even remember who it was right and it was a lot of money it was 27 billion dollars i think it was i don't i remember the number but i don't remember the company they bought anyways it's eaten in, it, it ate into earnings per share it had an effect on the stock price it was all relatively predictable once they announced the acquisition the planned acquisition at the time And then I went into the SEC reports and I started reading the insider buys and sells. And I found out that Mark Benioff and some of the top board members sold a ton of their stock before their announcement. And it just irritated me. Yeah. And they got a file in advance too. So that they, I don't know. It's kind of questionable. It's questionable. That would irritate me as well. It irritated me when the cooler CEO sold all of his, he sold like a million shares in the at in December 31st that 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 really I mean I get it but still a million shares right on New Year's Eve yeah Come on, man. questionable and people sell stocks for different reasons at all times so I mean there's certainly no fraud involved or anything no no because they got a file so far in advance and yeah. they plan it out and they understand the implications when they do that so 
I, I get it, but it, you know, it's frustrating as an investor. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I'd also put Snowflake on my buy list now. Ugh. I'm not buying it. It's on my list right now, um, but mostly because it doesn't really fit into my portfolio anywhere. But as a long-term buy, I'd, I'd buy Snowflake. There you go. If I didn't already have tech in my. All right, man. Hey, can I switch gears? I do want to talk about my favorite three-letter word for a little bit. Uh, I know you you hear me chat nothing about oil all the time, but uh, well, you know, with the current global political geopolitical environment and oil being talked about constantly on the news right now it is a topic so last time we 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 chatted and when i did my own downtime with dave which i got another one coming out this weekend um i talked about how i was buying oil on sunday stocks. though dave not on sunday because sunday, sunday is next week <laughs> that's correct that's correct um that Last time I did downtown with, uh, with Dave, I said I was going to buy Exxon Mobil and rig. I did. And then on the Instagram, I posted that I sold my rig, uh, took a little bit of gain on that. I recently just sold my Exxon Mobil, took a nice little gain on that. So it worked out for me as uh, short-term trades and uh, made made good money. And oil is definitely talked about going even higher because if the sanctions continue, and Pelosi went on TV today and talked about putting forth, like, stop buying all Russian oil, which I don't think will happen. We can't do that right now. we got to keep the economies going of Europe and United States. But the fact that now it's being talked about on TV, would drew, I think, is moving the price up higher. Just the fact, because if they cut that, you know, then supply drops. And when you have low supply but high demand, you get high price. Um, and that's what we're looking at right now. Well, they might have the deal with Iran, but uh, they're not going to make up for the Russian oil that will be lacking. We actually haven't stopped buying oil from Russia, which is, I thought we had, the way that they were talking. No, no, we haven't. We haven't. We still do. Yeah. Last year, it was over 220 million barrels for the year. Yeah. So if we stop yeah. buying Russian oil and then Biden announces six, six million barrels of oil being released from the world's reserves, we still have another 60 million to go. And then some, especially if Europe blocks oil from Russia, because Europe's going to need to fill that gap. There's, yeah, a, lot I mean, of, there's yeah. a lot of oil to make up for if, if we stop buying Russian oil. There is a lot of oil to make up for, and and I always point out the fact that during the Obama administration, we had a rate count of 1,600, and currently in this administration, we have a rate count of 650. Yeah. And so, you know, the Baker Hughes rate count comes out every Friday, guys. Um, but it that's a big difference. That's a 1,000 rigs, you know. So if we had a little bit more drilling, it would lower the price. But right now, the price is going to go higher, I believe. And so I think that, you know, you got to be specific with oil companies and which ones you buy. Am I going to buy ExxonMobil today? No, I just sold. It went up. Um, I'm going to wait for dips down. I'm going to wait for opportunities in, in the news and the markets for dips down to get in and, and get them at a lower price than what they are today. But I'm watching them. I'm waking up every morning, taking a look at my watch list, reading the headlines, trying to see if there's any news on oil. And that's something I, I'm consistently watching day in, day out right now waiting for an opportunity to get back in because I made some quick money. I would like to go back in and make more money again, mm -hmm. you know? And so I think oil still has a good runs in it. 
be picky, be choosy, stick with some of the better ones, the more well-known ones. If they announce that they're going to go ahead and allow more rigs to be opened up, Schlumberger, definitely a big buy at the moment of that announcement. You know, um, Apache, Apache actually does a lot of the, the rig drilling itself. So those are two companies I would look at if they're saying, hey, we'll open up more uh, drilling. But in the meantime, you know, stick with the Exxon Mobiles, the uh, ConocoPhillips, the Chevrons. Exxon should have taken gone down because they cut ties with uh, Russia and it lost cost them five billion dollars. But I mean, that was, you know, hate to say it, a drop in the barrel to uh, Exxon Mobil there uh, well, compared honey, to what they're calling it. Well, service oil rigs, too. I'm pretty sure. Honey, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Airplane, so they're also reopening play. But yet they're down yeah. 9.02% for the year. Which which is Honeywell's a good buy. They're a strong company and we they're in everywhere and you need them. You yeah. need everything they provide. Yeah. Seriously. And it's like uh, it, we've talked about this before, how you have the safe plays of, you know, hey, you're always gonna need high detergent and you're always gonna need food from Kroger. And you know, we've we talked about those safe plays before, and you know, you, you always need Honeywell's products. And so it, there's gonna be a need there. Mm. You know, I, I, yeah. So, I mean, that's my thoughts on oil guys. That's where I'm at. I'm waiting for dips down. Then I'm going to get back in right now. It's just going to be the oil sellers like Exxon, Conoco, Chevron. I'm not, uh, I'm waiting for more news of maybe uh, loosening restrictions in the United States before I would jump in on uh, Apache, Schlumberger or uh, Honeywell or uh, rig. It's going to have to come. They're going to have to loosen them. It's going to be so much political pressure to do it. If oil gets up to if, if gas gets up to five dollars a gallon, then we're in trouble. So Californians right now are calling in, Brandon, and they're saying um, gas past five dollars a gallon for them. Yeah, we're probably going there. So if anyone's listening, we live in Cincinnati, Ohio. So he's given the price a gallon in Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah. Uh, Three dollars and sixty seven cents near me. There you go. There you go. Um, we're not at a point where I can't handle it, but $5 would be, a, that'd be pretty tough. I mean, you just got to get an economical car like I got, bro. I mean, it works for me. I mean, I'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> but still, the fact of the matter is, is that most the economy would start hurting. People would yeah. take less trips. There's a ripple effect of what would happen if people can't afford the, the gas. Yes. 100% agree. Now, electric vehicles, though, right? Oil. Russia produ- produces 10% of the world's oil. They only produce 3% of the world's lithium. So that's going to push us in that direction. Right. And, and the more we use lithium batteries in everything we do to get away from renewable, you know who makes products to make lithium batteries safer? Is it cooler? <laughs> It's cooler technology, buddy. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just putting that out there again. Um, but uh, yeah, I I I, I, understand. I know what you're saying, and we're gonna we are moving that way probably faster than what I thought we would be moving that way to the uh, electronic vehicle and the autonomous vehicle and all that. I thought we were gonna take huge strides when Didi and Baidu announced that they had autonomous taxis, but then. You know, China really ruined that by putting tough restrictions on DD and Baidu. Um, 
that was another one. That was an, I did really did not want to become that much of an expert on China's foreign policy. It, right? I, I didn't either. When I when I made the DD play, that was not my intention. I was thinking, oh, it's great. Autonomous vehicles don't have to pay people. It's an actual vehicle that's a taxi. You just hop in, tell it where to go. It takes you. You know, it cuts yeah. out the human capital element of it. You know, I wound up but, not doing too bad on Baidu or Tencent. Alibaba was a big loss for me. But I just, it's one of those things where I just, you know, I've learned that once I start going down that route where I start having to, investigate things i never wanted to investigate before then it's just time to move on <laughs> it's just time to get out of it because there are too many other easy especially now in this market where everything is negative and maybe we're in a bear market for a year maybe not but history shows that we recover from these things right eventually we recover from these things so there's so many easy stocks out there of great companies that have a lot of money and they're getting beat down and you can buy those. There's no reason to take any extra risk in a company that has a ton of crazy headwinds against it right now. When you can pick from Microsoft and restoration hardware and meta platforms, which does have headwinds, but I still like it. But, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like you, there's predictable stocks out there that have been beaten down that you can put on your buy list right now and just start dipping into there's no reason to go crazy with it. Oh yeah, hundred percent agree. I mean, I, I and Brandon, I believe anybody can be taught to find those out and do their research and look for undervalued companies. And you know, guys, if you're brand new to stock trading, I recommend the book The Warren Buffett Way um, and read it. It's it reads like a textbook, but it's worth it. It is worth it. I think it's one of the best written stock or, or stock books out there. Oh um, yeah, I mean, love I, it. I like the I like the Howard Marks books that I've uh, mentioned as well, but that that's what that's what really got me my base level of education on investing, and you recommended it to me, so thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're I don't know what edition we're on anymore, but at that time I think it was like third or fourth edition. So. I, I still think it's the third, but maybe is it? Uh, I was looking at it the other day because I was recommending it to somebody, and I looked it up on Amazon. So, <laughs> um. <laughs> There you go, guys. I want to leave you real quick. Last couple of minutes here. I want to talk about some more of experience I've been having with crypto.com. I know I mentioned I opened a new account, all these ads everywhere out there. I want to just give you guys some more updates of me messing around with this thing and trying to see what I can do with it, what I can't do with it. So they have this part where you can earn interest on your on your money, right? You you deposit money let crypto.com hold it for a either a flexible term or they hold it for one month or three months and, and those terms and you get different rates based off of it right so there's a coin out there a cryptocurrency coin called usd coin and that is just a straight dollar so it never goes up and down so there's no risk in owning the usd coin per se, because it's just always going to be $1 for one coin. That's that's the part of it. Well, right now, for a three-month term on the USD coin, they're going to pay you 10% a year annual rate, right, if for a beginner. But if you have an account with crypto.com, you build it up, they'll do 12.5% on a three-month term. So how that works is, like, say I put 1000 bucks in, you know, and, you know, they, they divvy it up and it's doing what, that's, what's 10% in one year, 100 divided by 12, let's say 1,200. So now it makes math easier for me since I don't want to do math. 
says 30 bucks after three months. If I had $1,200 and 30 bucks after three months, right? So the three month terms up, they release your money again. You could put it back in now. And instead of 1200, you have 1230, but the exchange rate is still at that same amount exchange rate. And uh, what this is, is something I learned recently is called crypto staking. And it's where you're allowing these companies to use your money for a short period of time and they're paying you interest on it. And it's to getting rid of the banks and the middlemen. And it's it's me, Lyndon to Brandon or Brandon Lyndon to me. And we're getting rid of all these other institutions that make the money off of the interest and the interest can be paid directly to me or Brandon. And this is something I'm learning about. I'm brand new to it, guys. So I don't know a lot. I'm not a good source of information. I'm kind of messing around with it, but I want to keep you guys updated and let you guys know how it works out for me. Uh, the interest gets paid out weekly. So that's not bad as well. So I'm going to throw some money in here. We're going to see how well it does. We're going to see if it holds up to what it says. And I'll give you guys uh, my opinion here in uh, hopefully a couple of weeks. Well, I'll give a couple of weeks before I, I let you guys know. I'm looking into another out app called Delphia. So I'm sort of uh, just kind of putting a little bit of money into that, see how that works. It um, You basically tell it what your risk tolerance is. And then you can even give it access to your phone if you want to share data with it so that it can like sort of estimate what kind of consumer you are and um, how you live your life. And somehow it's going to like, I guess, algorithms are going to predict how how you what your risk, uh, what your risk tolerance is. And and it combines it with the data of everybody else that it takes to so that it can try to predict the market. But anyways. The way that it kind of separates your market is similar to the way that a 401k would separate your portfolio. Sorry, the way that it separates your portfolio is the way that it, you know, similar to a way that a 401k would. So a lot of it's in TLT, treasuries. Uh, there's a, a Vanguard uh, market fund in there for U.S. stock equities. There's gold in it. And, you know, you just put 20 bucks into it and, and it kind of, or, you know, 40 or 100 or whatever you want to do. And it divvies it up automatically, diversifies you based on your risk tolerance and, and its predictions for the market. So I'll give that a little bit, see how that goes, and then I'll give it a review as well. Look at that, man. And if you guys have any reviews you want us to take a look at or apps or sites, let us know. DM us. Uh, you can always email us at brandonbeaver at chinchillapicking.com. He checks that every single morning, <laughs> twice a day. Um, you go ahead and send messaging me on stock twits if you find me on there, but yeah, I'll, I'll check that email. Yeah, stock twits, chinchilla picking, Instagram, chinchilla picking. Uh, we have a TikTok, but no videos yet, chinchilla picking. Uh, we uh, we uh, everywhere it's, it's chinchilla picking. We own that, we own that name everywhere. It's uh, follow us, DM us. If you like our podcast, guys, hit that subscribe button. Brandon, any last minute uh, thoughts, final thoughts? That's all I have. That's all I have. Just buy great companies right now because there's plenty of them for good value. Yes. Look for undervalued companies. So I don't know what's going to happen in the next six months. And, and I don't really have to care about that because I know, historically speaking, these great companies rebound. And right now you're betting on America. That's what Warren Buffett would say. Always bet on America. So. <laughs> there you go, man. I like that. Perfect. I like I, In fact, I say we just end on that. 
betting on America. Here we go, guys. As always, we hope we've been entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. Have a good night. Have a good night.